in because it's time for another episode of Outwatch a Survivor Rewatch Podcast. My name is Alex, your host and guide through our rewatch journey where we rewatch, recap, and react to seasons gone by of Survivor, a CBS reality classic. My, I already told you what my name is, and so I won't do that again, but this episode we are reacting to episode 10 of Survivor's 37th season. Survivor David versus Goliath, a two-part episode, a full two hours of Survivor to recap this time. So buckle up, folks. Um, yes, whether you are watching this season for the first time, doing your own rewatch, or just like to remember the times we've all shared together on the islands of Fiji, we're glad that you've joined us as your companion pod to your own adventure. Um, but I am not the only member here. I'm joined by three of my friends watching this season for the first time. And it's time you meet them. Emily, welcome to Outwatch. Thanks for having me. You know, one of the highlight moments of this episode, great double episode, which is usually a rarity in Survivor, is the epic tribal count not tribal council immunity challenge showdown between Christian and Alec um during which Christian keeps himself focused by blabbering talking about effective nonsense to Jeff to the point that it coaxes Alec <laughs> off of the off of the challenge um yeah and and Christian's talking to Jeff about all sorts of random stuff. And it, it got me thinking, if you, you know, had Jeff as a captive audience, much like Christian Hubicki had him during the course of this very long challenge, what would come to mind as um as the thing to, you know, occupy Jeff's time with? What would you like to chat with him about? Our podcast, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, I would. Uh, ex- and if it if it were a thing of like he was a captive audience, I was in an a, like a, an endurance challenge. We had a lot of time. I'd really draw it out. I give him play by play. I tell him about all of you. <laughs> I tell him inside jokes. But he'll get them. That's the best part. <laughs> I think it'd be great. I wonder if Jeff remembers when Rupert says, <laughs> I wonder if they made, I didn't know they made such an animal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, who knows? <laughs> that would be the time to pitch survivor crab walk. Yes. yes. And we'll just pitch a survivor crab walk. For... Yeah. I could do that. <laughs> she, she, she pitches it for like 30 minutes and then lets it go. And then like an hour later, it's like, so about survivor crab walk. Comes back <laughs> Let me just circle back real quick. <laughs> <laughs> that would inevitably be part of the conversation by talking about our podcast. Yeah. So that's a great idea. 
Jeff's like, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do that season. I mean, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, welcome to Outwatch. Hello, how are you? So good, Scott. What are what are you chatting up, Jeff? About? I think I would be tempted to chat Jeff up about the plight of the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> And uh, how much horse <laughs> crap it is that I was born into fandom of the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> I could start with like hey, former Pacers Scott Pollard was on a season of Survivor. I know it was. There's the connection. He was, he was absolutely awful on the season. Yeah, he sucked. <laughs> he was a terrible person. But yeah. <laughs> He was a terrible Indiana Pacer, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's your connections. Like, Jeff, remember Scott Pollard? <laughs> How much he contributed to that team? Yeah, that's about the same amount he contributed to the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> nice Indiana <guy>. Pacers. It's <laughs> so funny. What do you think yeah. Jeff would think about this um, when you're talking to him about the Pacers? What do you think his reaction would be? I feel like he would be like, he'd be a captive audience. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. I feel like he would almost rather listen to Christian talk <laughs> about whatever he was talking about. This is a long tale, Alex. This is a, this is a depressing tale. I believe it. You get it. You're a Cubs fan. I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's a long, depressing tale. You could say yeah. it's... Um... Disaster! Yeah. <laughs> Scott, do you uh, pivoting to Pacers okay. talk? Do you wish that the Pacers signed DeAndre Ayton, or are you glad that they didn't? I was both bummed out, and I was really happy. Like I was happy they went for it. Yeah. So for for our non Pacers fans, I have you all as a captive audience right now. <laughs> I'm going to talk to you about it. This is happening right Pacer now. Talk. A classic so, segment of Outwatch. Yeah. Here we go. Pacers. We're on the Pacers, uh, Pacers corner here. Um, so, yeah, they signed this guy DeAndre into the max contract. He plays for the Phoenix Suns, four years, one hundred thirty-three million, the highest offer she ever signed by a restricted free agent. So he's restricted, and the Phoenix could match the offer, which they did. So I was both happy, Alex, that they've signed him because the Pacers don't spend that much money, right? Um, ever ever yeah um but also that's a lot of money to spend on a center yeah yeah it's kind of like the running back position in football like mm. you can just plug and play anybody sure not anybody but you, you know yeah. you can find a you can find a contributing center for not 133 million dollars yeah of course it's not my money so i don't care what they spent so <laughs> that was like interesting I think he would have fit. Yeah. Whatever. At the end of the day, it's not a big deal. They're not going to be very good next year. Anyway, we're rebuilding. That's okay. It's a perpetual rebuild. That's right. Here and we have our new stud, Tyrese Halliburton. That's we're right. Ready to go. Love that. Back to the back to Survivor. Yeah, our audience right now is like, I screwed you. I lied to you and I screwed you. Okay, that, that's what we're doing to our audience, rather. Uh, Adam, welcome to Outwatch. So good to be here. Hey, what are you doing with a captive audience of Jeff Probst? 
Um, I think I'd recount all six seasons of Community uh, and just talk about how good of a show it was, except for season four, which was the gas leak year. Um, yeah, I, I, this is the thing is like, I don't know, there's not a lot of things I could talk about for just like hours on end, but like Community is a really good show. It really is. And yeah. like, I love very it. solid program. I I could talk about that for hours and I'd just be like, hey Jeff, you ever seen Community? So it starts off with and just go from there. Episode one. <laughs> Fade in. Pilot. Yeah. <laughs> we, hear, we hear the voice of <laughs> Jeffrey Winger, local douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> and get this. They're called the human beings. <laughs> their flag, their flag says E pluribus anus on it, and it looks like a bow. <laughs> I have seen your chain. I'm so ill. This is a warning. I can't be killed. <laughs> and then get you'll never get get over this. There's a guy, and all he does is say pop pop. <laughs> he's there's like this hilarious backstory with magnitude actually that he's like he's british and he's like 17 he was like a boy genius or something and so he went to college is this canon water big green now. It's like, i love it and the peanut bar rap <laughs> i'm a peanut bar up here so. oh my god Oh gosh. I think it's a great show. I think like I've got two scenarios, right? One is like, okay, I'm in Christian's shoes and I just need to blab about something to take my mind off of it. And I don't care that it's to Jeff, in which case I'm probably like, man. Yeah. Recounting like star Wars interconnected story beats from the animated shows to the this movies you know talking about how the clone wars and ahsoka tano makes the fall of anakin skywalker so much more compelling um but if i'm like you know on a plane and i just happen to be sitting next to jeff probst and i've like got him as a captive audience it's like dude jeff find i want to be your consultant let me be your survivor consultant employ me to just come up with things to put on the TV show. <laughs> I've, I've got like, you know, there's like plenty of people of certainly that would do better at that than me, you know, not claiming to be the forefront expert, but it would be a dream job. But if I were to like survivor, this is now a tangent, but survivor needs to pay Adam Klein yesterday to just work on survivor like that dude surely thinks more about survivor than anybody <laughs> who's e- maybe even who works on the show already it's like christian falls in that same category christian hubicki needs to be paid money by survivor just to think up stuff for the show anyway there's some really smart people that have been survivor but they could definitely like no doubt no doubt would contribute to the show I just had this. I I don't think I have any desire to like be on Survivor and play the game of Survivor. 
I feel like I would love to be a part of the dream team. I don't For know sure. why that seems so. It feels like you're just an adult at summer camp. Yeah. Like, okay, now you're going to go and try to break this game. And I'm like, <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. It's so much fun. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. I'd love to be a producer and just be like following him around mm-hmm. <laughs> the camera. <laughs> so what do you think about, what do you think about them? They suck, huh? You hear, wow. you, you hear what Alex said about you? <laughs> exactly. He's talking mad shit. What, the- what happened back there? Did you talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, like we said, this is a double episode, so we're getting two full episode parts here. We're going to split this up into two, um, you know, parts of the of our episode as well. So what do you say we start things off by taking a trip down to Tree Mill for the first half of this episode? Let's do it. Go. This one starts with Angelina confronting Allison and Alec about voting for her. She's not too happy. Um, Nick and Davey go idle hunting early morning again, and Nick finds a clue that requires him to sneak out in the middle of the night to find an idol. We've got a reward challenge. There's a rope and ladder throw for a picnic. Alec, Mike, Allison, Gabby, Christian win this one, and they get letters from home at the picnic, too. Very nice. Carl is ready to vote out Alec. He tells Kara that, maybe not wise, because Kara works well with Alec. And then in the middle of the night, Nick does indeed sneak out to get the idol while Davey stands guard for him back at camp. And Nick is successful, gets a hidden immunity idol. We've got the immunity challenge now that we have mentioned. Uncomfortably numb. This is one of those Survivor classics with a name, a a recognizable name. It's uncomfortably numb for you trivia players there at home. Um, with the added twist that you can sit out for a plate of nachos, um, Carl, Nick and Angelina sit this one out and, you know, and now, now we get this immunity challenge, which is one of the best from a storytelling perspective, immunity challenges in survivor history. It's set up that Alec is on the chopping block. He has to win to stay alive. You know, people are dropping like flies. He's gloating and celebrating when other people drop he says that this challenge is going to last as long as it takes until i win two and a half hours pass gabby drops and now it's just down to christian and alec and alec just start or christian just starts babbling for literal hours to help himself focus he's talking nonsense to jeff and slowly we see alec start to waver he starts expressing annoyance at Christian's blabbing. Eventually he asks Christian to drop. He says, I need this. And Christian says, yeah, I know. And he stays up there and Alec finally drops and Christian wins. The David overcomes the Goliath in the challenge. Um, Yeah. And Christian is safe back at camp. Gabby is frustrated by Godfather Carl dictating the vote, but nothing changes here, and Alec is voted out unanimously, um, and Jeff snuffs the torch. What do we got here from the first half of the episode? Like I said, this is a double episode, but both halves of this 
this episode are pretty compelling, if you ask me. Um, what sticks out is our primary point of conversation here in the first half. I mean, that that challenge is a villain origin story if I have ever seen one. <laughs> um, I mean, like, Alec, he... There's something about like like Dan would do these like affirmations too, where he'd be like, "You're awesome, bro! Like you're awesome! You can do this sort mm-hmm. of thing." And Alec, like, whenever it was almost like an intimidation thing that he would do for other people, where he'd just look at him and be like, "I'm not gonna drop. Yeah, like I'm not falling off this. I'm not coming down off this." Like it was just so like whatever. And then when when he really starts wavering and his like head is like down on his like in the crook of his elbow and he's just like, stop talking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It was, I mean, that was like a crazy challenge and it's insane. I feel, I feel for Alec in that, like in like 9.9 times out of 10, Alec wins that challenge. Yeah. yeah. He Christian just locked in mm-hmm. and he was there for it. and done. <laughs> yeah. There's like a, I didn't cue this up. I wish I did, but the the like time lapse sequence of the time passing, um, and you just get snippets of things that Christian is saying. It's just so good. It, it one the the most memeable is just you know all of this is of course without context. But Jeff, have you ever had a Reuben sandwich? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I can't imagine what, where we go from there, but it's just so that good. That line is so good, too, because he says sandwich. Yes. Like, whenever I like, want a Reuben, I just want a Reuben. Like, that's all I say. <laughs> Christian's like, a Reuben sandwich, you know? <laughs> Protects Christian Hubicki at all costs. <laughs> the natural treasure. Absolutely. Yeah. So good. Yeah, it is man, just the again, the storytelling of it, the way that it's like set up, Alec has to win. He's gloating. Um and then he's you know, from the story we're told done in by the the incessant you know, frenetic way that Christian focuses is just it's perfect. Chef's kiss. Well, and even the sun is starting to go down mm-hmm. by the end of this challenge, which is not something you ever see. Yeah. Like you see these challenges happen in broad daylight and they end in broad daylight and we get a time lapse. Yeah. This is like by the end of this challenge, you're like, it has been a day. Yep. They, they stood on these posts for a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's just nuts. There's a really good um, quote from Christian and Alex, like, Christian, just drop. Just drop. And he's like, basically, Christian was like, I know you need to win, but I will never get this chance again. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm, like, yeah. I'm just like, Ugh. yeah, it hits you in the field. <laughs> yeah. Christian like identifies that if he's going to win a, an individual immunity challenge, it's going to be one like this. That's just a pure mental endurance, you know, one. And yeah, he's right. Uh, it's yeah it's excellent what else what else is um uh worth worth bringing up here at the top of the episode 
Carl's going rogue. <laughs> yes. Yes, we will discuss more in the second half, of course, but Carl, Godfather Carl, makes his appearance here in the first half. He's set up, kinda... set up camp in the hammock, just hanging out in the hammock, letting others come to him. Quite a shift. Am I, am I the only one that was kind of like taken aback by this version of Carl? Because I feel like we've not gotten any of this before. For now, because he's been doing this the whole time. I mean, the most he really got of Carl was early on when the Davids first went to tribal, and he wanted to vote out Gabby or Lirsa or somebody, um, and uh, and they all flipped on that on him. But it was just kind of a like. What we've gotten of Carl are these snippets of like, I don't trust a man that don't work hard. And like, he has this very like simple, like moral code that he wants to live by. And anyone who doesn't live by that, he's like, no. Um, Yeah. And this just, I don't know, like he's never been in a position where he feels like he has power in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just the shift is he finally feels like I'm not scrapping to get to the next day. And in some sense, like just the simplicity of the David sticking together is what has gotten them here. There's, there's, there's a lot more to it than that, as we discussed in the last episode, but like, I don't know. Yeah. I guess, yeah. I was just surprised because yeah, we've gotten that version of Carl, but then like they interviewed somebody, I forget who it was. And they're like, yeah, Carl's like probably like the ringleader of the of the Davids. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's <laughs> he probably comes off that way to other people in the island publicly, but yeah, from the you know from the we, edit, yeah. Yeah, just, we who yeah, get I, know, I was just really surprised. <laughs> yeah. He is I mean, he is also the loudest, I guess. Like we've kind right. of we talked to I mean, Nick was really the central focus of the Davids for a while. Um he was really making moves and then we kind of like slipped off on the Davy, and then we've we've kind of slipped on to Carl but like Carl is really the one who's most like obvious mm-hmm. about his position in the game which is always a horrible mistake like <laughs> right uh, and we, we could talk a lot more about Carl in the second half of this like sure. you said because but he told Kara about their Right, yes. wanting to vote out Alex. That's more what I meant too. Of like, I mean, obviously he's you know the hammock thing, and he's just like, yeah, I'm in charge. Mm-hmm. But he's just like, hey, Kara. He's got like a um, thing for Kara, I think. Dan's gone. He's ready to swoop in. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kara was on his tribe, so I wonder if he feels he like just feels more a kinship to her. To like, point. oh, well, like we we have some history, so like. I don't know. Yeah. He also has a tendency to like I, I don't want to say infantilize young women, but like he, he thinks of them as like his daughter. Like sure. it's sure. you know, it's it's not like a demeaning thing, I don't think. It's just yeah. like a you know because that was that was this Jessica, is that mm-hmm. her name? Who was mm-hmm. the first person yeah. voted out? Yeah, you're right. That was that was that was his whole thing with Jessica, is he he really thought of her as a daughter. So yeah. I think he has a tendency to like think in those terms and Kara probably has some of that for him too. It's a good point. So, yeah. 
I think also, I mean, that's really like the the real central tension between like Gabby and Carl too. Whereas I think if Carl felt like a more strategic player, Gabby wouldn't have as big of an issue playing with him. But I think she feels like he's an idiot, but he treats me like an idiot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Um, cool. Let's work through some of these other things here. Um. Lots of talk about the blurring of tribal lines this episode. Tribal tribal lines are blurred. Um, Davey also is a blurred as he <laughs> referred to himself in the first episode. So. <laughs> tribal lines are blurred and so is Davey. <laughs> um, let's talk about the Mission Impossible idol. Um, the, our newest entry in Weird Ways to introduce idols into Survivor. Nick finds a clue that says, you've got to sneak out of camp, walk down the beach in the middle of the night, and that's where your idol will be. Um, Scott, what's your, what's your initial reaction here to what I am deeming the Mission Impossible idol? I enjoyed the Mission Impossible idol. Because, I don't know. I get tired of uh, us just seeing people trip over them in the woods. Sure. Not saying that, that that's an overgeneralization that we've got plenty <laughs> of them, you know, having to find them or whatever. So, but yeah, I enjoyed the clue. And then, yeah, like, um, having to like sneak off and then have daily cover for him and like the whole thing. My quite, I guess my when I watched it, I was questioning the need for Davy to cover for him. But then I also realized people probably do are probably up all night and yeah. uh, sleeping probably isn't normal on Survivor compared to other normal situations. So I could see the need for Davy actually. But yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it though. I, it added like some suspense to you know the idol finding mm-hmm. experience. I've got to assume you're right that like people are up large portions of the night i'm sure i doubt people are getting very restful night sleeps regularly i I couldn't sleep on some bamboo that's for sure yeah and this is of course combined with we'll talk about this in greater detail but the folks on the reward the day before grossly overate and are all vomiting (laughs) which is making it less of a restful experience for the people there so that's right. I was hoping for like, um, oh god, I'm blinking on the name of it now. The movie where the kid sneaks out and like puts um a fake person of himself in his bed. Ferris yes, Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Yeah, well, I couldn't think of that name. <laughs> I was hoping for Nick to like, um, you know, put a bunch of coconuts in his, <laughs> his sleeping spot as like a a fake Nick, but. Didn't happen. <laughs> Put his like sports coat over it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think like it, it's fun. I, I do like the idea of like Davy covering for him is fun too. The Davy Nick Alliance, you know, their name doesn't make the air, unfortunately, but a, a solid alliance nonetheless. I've loved Davey on the show. He has a lot of fun. He adds this level of like comedic, like he just adds some, like some funniness to like the 
the show. I don't yeah. know. This is like his whole like disposition and just like the way he talks and like I don't know. Like I took out the mayor of Slam Town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like I don't know, I just love him. <laughs> yeah, Davey's just he having fun. So much joy. Yes, yeah. Playing this game, like it really yeah. is. Yeah, he's having a great time. Um, I do. I mean, this isn't the. I mean, this is the most like secret agenty, I guess. But Dan did find an idol at a reward challenge or immunity challenge or right. whatever. Which I, I don't. I think those are super interesting. Those like kind of things where you have to like. It, it sounds like we we talked about. I think I pitched in the past that like, there's a chest or something mm-hmm. that has the idol in it, and you can't move the chest. Yeah, like, you can take the idol out, but like you can't move the chest. So that way, someone knows like, oh, it's been found. Yeah, like I, I I think like elements like that where it's like you have to find a way, you know where it is and you have to find a way to go and get it. I guess like China too, like they hid the idol on the archway. Right. I, I think those are super interesting and compelling ways to like hide the idol. I'm yeah. not, I'm not like saying that we should just get rid of all the hidden idols that people just kind of stumble upon. But I, I think adding a few of those is a really it, it creates like a calculus of like what is the risk reward of having that thing. Yeah, yeah. That is super interesting to watch people navigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it like does create these higher stakes situations where you know I think in the the origin of the idol, this is part of it is like okay, you know, finding it, but also finding it in a way that other people don't see you finding it is a part of the you know the strategy but nowadays like i don't know if it's due to a location change or whatever right like that's not really a part of it if you want to find an idol without somebody seeing you you can do it pretty easily unless you're you know woo and spencer um (laughs) but yeah this like creates a sonic the hedgehog style out of there exactly yeah, this creates like situations where it is like, okay, you're going to, if you're going to get this, it's going to have to be in front of everyone and you have to do it in a way that um, is sneaky. Um, cool. At the reward challenge, this does create one of the great survivor gifts, which is when um, Angelina reaching for the oh next rope, How did we rope talk about this? under her neck to reach it. One of the great survivor gifts. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> Wait, what was it? It's the it's the one where they're like um on there's like a rope bridge and like hanging ropes that you're Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Angelina yeah. takes one of them, like pushes it under her neck to hold on to it, and then it's like ah reaching for the next one. <laughs> Because that's how you get the reach on a rope bridge. <laughs> you pull the rope really close to your body. Yep. <laughs> Angelina is so funny. God love she's her, just, dude. She's, she's such great a trip. TV. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's the thing. Like, she's a horrible survivor, but like, such a good person to have on television. I'm so glad she's in this season. Yeah. She's great. 
it's a very like summer camp challenge in general between the ropes course and the like hillbilly golf ladder golf thing. Yeah. <laughs> hillbilly golf ladder. <laughs> um, <laughs> another great Angelina moment after everybody's like totally overeaten at this reward. Allison is like in downward dog on the beach throwing up and Mike's like, oh, look at her. And Angelina's like, oh, is she doing yoga? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, she's throwing up. <laughs> Natalie? <laughs> is there any way I could have your jacket? Yeah, Natalie? Natalie. 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 <laughs> how does this how does this keep happening, gang? How is it that, you know, 37 seasons in, people are still having not eaten for 30 days, gorging themselves on food and getting sick? How is this still happening? I'm surprised we don't see it more often. <laughs> so it's similar like I know that I like when we make dessert at home, I know I shouldn't eat it. At least not very much, but I still have no willpower. So take that times a thousand. Yeah. Having right. not eaten, I'm going to eat all the freaking food. Yeah. That survivor. <laughs> Even though I know I shouldn't be doing it. <laughs> and then, bleh, then it comes up. Yep. That picnic, man. Picnic will get you. I do. I would feel so like. I mean, like, food's food. I'm sure I'd be happy with it. But there's something about, like, you can go to the burger bar, and then the next episode is like, we got Charlie Raps. Biggs rap for you. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you besmirch the name of Charlie Biggs? Yeah, Charlie Biggs rap are great. <laughs> no. no, I've watched one of the seasons that, um, I've watched before a man like gets medevaced because he ate too much at the reward <laughs> challenge. It's it's Joe Del Campo, <laughs> Grandpa Joe in yeah. Survivor Go Wrong in like the final five. He's he like, ate so much cheese. He ate so much cheese. Yeah. So much cheese. Right? Yeah. And he gets like a GI blockage and oh my god. It's so funny. He gives himself like a small bowel obstruction and has to be medevaced. <laughs> it it cracks me up to no end how like your most uh, the the survivor season that you have the easiest pull on is Survivor co wrong. <laughs> what a random ass season. That's what it was Scott Pollard, isn't it? Yeah, it's the Scott Pollard season. Because you know why? That's the one where is that Aubrey? Yeah, uh huh. It's the Aubrey that, Michelle season. That season is so triggering to me. <laughs> <laughs> one of the all time she should have absolutely host. <laughs> yeah. Well, in no small part due to Joe Del Campo. That's getting medevaced because it blew That's up her true. final three plan. That is true. That is yeah, very he true. ate a bunch yeah. of steak and cheese at a reward. This old ass man, and he had to get medevaced. <laughs> That's right. He would have been there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. God. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that season I would I like rage quit Survivor because of that season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's like it's one of those. Th- it's like a lose lose because Aubrey was great that season, very deserving had she won. But Michelle, Michelle's great too. Um, maybe I need to re. Maybe I need to rewatch it. I know that she went on a run at the end. But- she did. Yeah, she kicked a puzzle, and. Anyway, (laughs) Uh, speaking about cheese, the nachos that they sit out for at the immunity challenge, what do y'all think about the visual of these nachos? We've talked Uh, before about some of these foods that they sit out for. Did these nachos look good to you, Adam? You had a reaction. These looked heinous. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say I thought they looked pretty good. Oh, no, I I. I couldn't get the like, so this is something that always trips me up. I am. So I, I worked in the food service industry for a while. So I had to have a, a food manager handler certificate for a long time. And like, there's only so long that food is supposed to sit out in the danger zone. Yeah. And nacho cheese is like the worst thing imaginable <laughs> for like, like don't use it. Like do not like, if you go to like, if you're going to like a professional ball game, like it's probably fine. But like, if you're going to your like high school's like mm. bootleg concession stand, do not get the nacho cheese. Don't do it. Um, but I I saw these and I was just like, the chips are soggy. Mm-hmm. They're probably cold. This is like everything that I hate about nachos. <laughs> just rolled into one. It was uh, a large platter of nachos, too. It was big. It said both. Yeah. yeah. They were definitely banking on multiple people needing to. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That or they were just hoping one person got really sick. <laughs> they were like, we want another blockage meta bag. Let's go. <laughs> Jodel <Yeah>. Crampo. <laughs> 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 he just slapped his own teeth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe Del Crampo is some of my best work. <laughs> Spoilers for Survivor Go Wrong. <laughs> Can we please never watch that season? 100%. 100%. I have no it intention is- of it. That might be the one that does me in game. <laughs> Emily and I are going to start another podcast that's just us watching the seasons that Alex doesn't want want us to watch. <laughs> yeah, have fun. Can we podcast the absolute worst season next? No, no. You think it'd be funny, but it's it. No. <laughs> it's probably just a is, is season one any good? Is it like? Season one is in the fine tier, if you ask me. Okay. It's a totally different show, but it's compelling story-wise and interesting. But very slow. Very, very, very slow. It's kind of what I figured. I, I am like super curious to go back and watch season one now that we've been doing this for as long as we have. But yeah. I also don't want to like interrupt any of the schedule that you have to do it. Like, yeah. I, it's like how I feel about it. I think 
I think season one would be an interesting viewing experience to be, you know, peek behind the curtain here. It would be interesting to watch. I don't think it would be a fun podcast, though. Right. There's just nothing. There wouldn't be much to talk about. Yeah, that's kind of what I expect. Richard Hatch walked naked on the beach. Yep. Um, Rudy. Rudy became friends with Richard Hatch. Yes. That's about it. I have this snakes and rats. I have this really vivid memory, and I don't know if it's season one or not. I have no idea what it's an early season, but there's a question. Maybe it was like Australia or something where there's there's a question that someone asked in Final Tribal where they're like, if if like a wild dog wandered into camp and ate the rice and then turned around and licked its ass, would this be because the rice tasted so bad or like like something like that? was like the question it had nothing to do with anything the person was just like pissed off that they weren't in the final <laughs> and i only have this seared into my brain because i was like real young in yeah. like elementary school and i was like what did he just say <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's not ringing a bell for me i'm believe that is you, still but... not the that is still not the worst final travel council question oh i'm sure it's not no we saw <laughs> the worst one, one. We saw Natalie. <laughs> Natalie Bolton. Right. Natalie How does Bolton. that resonate with you in the bedroom? That's what I was. The bedroom. Was, yeah. I was really hoping we all were going to agree on that. I was really worried that we were going to, like, someone's going to say something else. But I was like, it's the bedroom one, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Is either that one or Ozzy's one immediately afterwards? Ozzy? <laughs> Actually, let's put Heidi's up there, too. If you recall, Heidi was basically like, so, like, is there anyone else that you think is deserving of winning? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted her name set on television. Anybody who might be, you know, talking right now. God bless. Uh, um, okay, the, you know, the challenge lasts forever. There were some funny things that happened. Um, people were falling asleep underneath the sit-out bench because it was taking so long. Mike asked Jeff if he could opt out of opting out. Um, <laughs> it was pretty good. And then when Alec Alec is eliminated, he gives the most on brand and one of the best exit lines of all time, which I did not clock until this rewatch in which he walks up, places the torch down, gives Jeff the shaka and says, Snuff it, brother. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> Alec is an enigma. Wait, is this the is this the episode where Alec said Yeah, it is. After he loses, like the next day, he talks about how he's a bartender and how he flirts for his tips. Yes. And right now, like Christian is the prettiest girl in the bar or yep. something like that. Yep. It's so it's so like we I, I said this last episode, like the Goliaths think that the Davids are idiots, and it's just such a representation of this. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, I can charm Christian to doing my bidding. It's so dumb. Um Okay. What anything else from this first half, or is it time we move on? Should we do let's do let's just do goats and participations for the whole the whole thing. 
Okay, let's advance here to the second half of the episode then, um, and head back down to Tree Mail, second time, for what's going to happen in the second half of this episode. Um, the Davids have secured the numbers following this vote out of Alec. It's been a long road, but they're here. Um, Allison worries that perhaps she flipped too late. What do you think about that? Imagine that. We've got a reward challenge. Um, it's like a ladder in the ocean and then dunking buoys for a fried chicken reward, um, which Carl and Davey, Kara and Mike win. Um, and Carl and Davey immediately get very drunk on this boat <laughs> at their reward. Um, in his state, Carl tells Kara that he's going to target Allison. And meanwhile, back at Camp Gabby is spearheading a Carl blindside with Christian and others. Um, Carl puts that Allison vote in motion from his godfather throne. Christian and Gabby are officially ready to move against Carl, and Mike finds himself in the middle. Um, it comes to our attention that the tribe is running out of rice, and Angelina takes this moment to... Um, it's so good. It's <laughs> the best Dude. part of the episode. Um, she hatches a plan to start a negotiation with Jeff. So at the immunity challenge, it's a dizzy balance beam and word puzzle. Um, before the challenge starts, Angelina interrupts Jeff and begins the negotiation. When all is said and done, Angelina is sitting out from this challenge to secure rice for the tribe for the rest of the game. And Davey wins the word puzzle with perspective, getting him immunity. After a bunch of back and forth about which direction to go in and Mike finding himself as the swing vote, he decides to vote alongside uh, Gabby, Christian, Allison, and Kara against Carl voting Carl out by five votes to four here, making him the next member of the jury and relinquishing the, uh, the numbers advantage from the Davids. Um, let's start like we always do most interesting part of this episode to get, to get going with here. So back to Carl. Yeah. Back to Carl. <laughs> The yeah. the rise and fall of Carl is a two episode story. It is because we start to see it in the first part of the episode where he just is kind of blabbing to Kara and he's kind of rubbing people the wrong way. They're calling the Godfather and they go on this uh, reward. I think he gets a little tipsy. He gets drunk. He gets. He doesn't get tipsy. He gets drunk <laughs> and he's just like. Here are my plan. <laughs> I was just like, what are you doing? Like so, freaking Dr. Yeah. Doofenshmirtz out here. Even Tell Jeff was like, are you blitzed right now? <laughs> are you loaded? Are you loaded? Are you loaded? Are you right loaded now? Right now? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what he said. Because <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is an 80 year old man sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, these kids nowadays, all they want to do is go on boats. Um, Hold on. I'm going to I'm going to have a hard time. I, 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 I really hope you find this clip because it's so good. <laughs> it's 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 here. It's got to be here. Here it is. 
They just want to do this. Get faded. <laughs> <laughs> Were you wanting the Rupert one? No, that's the one I wanted. Okay. <laughs> the Rupert one's good, but I yeah. knew that, I mean, that one was very specific to the boat. Yeah. <laughs> Get faded. As like a back thing to their beats. <laughs> Get, Get faded. faded. <laughs> like as a tag. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Carl, you know, all Carl wants to do, um, is talk about getting some honey or smoking something, drinking something. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Emily, we cut you off. What do you have to say about Carl? (laughs) No, this is exactly how I wanted this conversation. (laughs) That was really, I mean, truly, though, that was kind of my, I just wanted to continue that arc of him getting real comfortable. I mean, it is like kind of this is like, it's like the most Shakespearean that we really see of somebody in Survivor. Like we have the last episode, not the devil episode, but the last episode where Carl is kind of the hero and he has the ability to stop the idol. And then Mm. there's the first part of this one where there's kind of the falter. And then this one is like full on, like, no, we're done. Yeah. Just the tragedy of Carl is these, these, Two episodes are just perfect for it. Yeah, that's great. Well, and even like being really collaborative in the first episode and like working with everybody sort of thing. And then it just. Yeah. Yeah. He becomes the Don, the Godfather. Um, I've added Godfather Carl to our Brant Steel list. I imagine like Carl and, you know, like mob paraphernalia. Yeah. Um. I also added the negotiator, which is a character that um, Angelina can um, can take on. I I want to talk about this because yes, Angelina to start negotiations offers everything. Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm really glad that you thought that as well. Because I thought that was a lot too. list. <laughs> Everything like what do they have a camp? They have a tarp, like I think it's and a pot. Like she and she's like, I took a class on this, this is my favorite thing. And I'm like, okay. And then she's like, we want to give you all the pots except for one, all the chairs, the hammock, the pillows, the blankets, the fishing gear. Like, what do you have left? <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't start offering in like people. Like, I'll give you Davy. <laughs> Davey's a lot of fun to be around. He's just a big ball of energy and joy. So, like, we really think you'll enjoy him. <laughs> but she said that over and over again. She's like, just start. I'm like, genuinely, what do you have left? Yeah. Like, I, yeah. like we'll tear down, we'll tear down our shelter and start over. And we'll uh like what is this? This scene is is so funny to me. Here's a question: like, will they let them run out of rice? It's uh okay, so this is a question. Pardon me. That even, you know, it is rumored that certain past survivors have even posed and that they've been like, who cares? Eat as much as you want. They're not gonna let us starve and die out here. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's ever been a definitive answer to this. 
because indeed nobody has starved and died out there. But also there's been instances like this where they've ran out of food and, you know, there's a, a ransom to pay to get more of it. Huh. Yeah, it's just, it's so interesting. And that Jeff is like, yeah, like, okay. But when she brought up, I guess he was, I think he was taken by surprise, or at least he seemed that way. Well, I'm sure Jeff, like, okay. I'm sure Jeff knew this was coming. Yeah, okay. like, it's not like his He's crew like, is going to let him walk blind into this. So yeah. they, like, they had already decided that if they bring this up, this is what you're going to offer them. Instead. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. This. Um, I, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I just like the negotiation is hilarious. Like, because mm-hmm. what the hell <laughs> you started at like the skyrocket high price but then also like Jeff's like if someone sits out of this challenge this immunity challenge then uh, I'll give you enough rice for the rest of the game we'll package it up though so you're only going to get as much as whatever Right. Uh, Angelina volunteers and she is talking to the camera and she's like it was really important for me for everybody to see that I was willing to put myself on the line for this or like something like that. And I'm like, no one cares about you this much. They're going to be like, but she got us the rice. Yes. This was a question I had is, is what we think <laughs> about this. Yes. This, this is I, yeah. who, who can make this sacrifice that like, I I'm genuinely like, I cannot think of a single player to ever play this game that like people are like, absolutely not. And then they make a sacrifice. Like, Matt, kind of sure, but not really. <laughs> like you, 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 you can get goodwill by giving up something. Mm-hmm. But like, if you're already like people don't like you, people think you're shady. Like they think Angelina is. It, you're never getting enough goodwill. Like, yeah, you can go from neutral to like we think positively of you. You can't go from bad to like neutral. Sure, sure. man, Angelina's just so so good so entertaining it's like i like i respect angelina so much and i i aspire to have an ounce of the self-confidence that she has like (laughs) man it's it's so good i love when she like she comes in and she's like jeff we're prepared to make an offer it's like she's in she has she's in in control of the show now <laughs> and she jeff, and jeff you know, is I'd like, I'd like to propose that i become the host of survivor right, and right. You take over my role as contestant to the and, point too of like yes the producers certainly briefed jeff on this is what's going to happen and you know they came to the the conclusion of like all right this is the counter offer or whatever but I wish so badly because we've seen in rare moments when Jeff is truly caught off guard. Jeff is caught off guard when Billy Garcia finds love and when <laughs> Nat- <laughs> and when Natalie Bolton asks Parvati about her bedroom exploits. And those reactions are excellent. I wish so badly that, you know, production would have looked at each other and be like we're not telling Jeff this is happening <laughs> and seeing what he would have done when she interrupts him is like uh, Jeff I would like to 
make you an offer. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, truly a tragedy that that didn't happen. Do do we want to see Angelina come back? One thousand percent. Yes. Scott, you got to give a side eye there. (laughs) (laughs) It would be very entertaining. (laughs) I love Angelina. do you think do you think that she would do better a second time around though? No. Like no. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm she just would... like, I don't know. Like we we, her, we yeah. were talking about this before the show. There are people who like when they come back, they just do excellent. Like Parvati, like she did good the first time around and she figured out the game. And the second time that she played, she just crushes it. So like I I'm so curious what the like what like the skill jump is for people. Cause people who are like really good. And then come back. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows we're really good, so you don't have any kind of advantage. People who are just right. like middling and come back and crush it. Those are the people who are like, "Oh, damn!" Exactly. Yep. What do you do when someone is like, "Oh, like Angelina's shady as hell," but she's also not like great at those games? So, like, and we all know that. Honestly, what yeah. happens in a returning season? I, what happens is the rest of the returning players look at each other and they say, "We don't want to have to deal with her for thirty-nine days." Let's just vote her out. <laughs> but I would want so badly for her to come back and, and see what happens. So much fun. Um, any, any other main points here from this, from this half of the episode? I've got several notes. Go to your notes. Yeah, we got. Okay. Um, I want to talk about this reward challenge, which has the basketball component um, in which Davey does just like completely slam dunk at one point. Um, I have an alternative. What if one of the challenges in Survivor was just literally a game of basketball? And so it's like this tribe against this tribe suit up five V five. We're putting 40 minutes on the clock (laughs) and we're playing, we're playing hoops. And one tribe has Scott Pollard. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That would be really unfair. (laughs) Other than the obvious answers of real basketball players, which survivors that we've seen, do you think would excel in a game of survivor basketball? Probably freaking Aussie. Probably. He's good at everything. Dolphin oh. boy. Why, why can I not think of my ass? Mm, Penner. John, yeah, Penner. I feel like Penner, like Adam Sandler vibes, where it's like, dude can ball. Mm. Like, <laughs> I could see that. I bet Adam Klein, I feel like Adam Klein would be good at basketball. Oh, no chance. No way. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I'm quite certain that Adam Klein would be as good as basketball as I am, which is not very good. <laughs> no, hear me out. Hear me out. I feel like he's like squirrely, like I don't know. like a like an Aaron Craft type. Yeah, <laughs> like annoy you and hound you, and I feel like he could slop at a jump shot <laughs> every now and then. <laughs> Oh, God. I mean, I think the obvious answer is like James, you know, just like feed him in the post. No one's going to knock lock down James. 
Rupert from a similar vantage point. Just like Charles Barkley round mounder rebounds out there. I was gonna say Rupert's got that like YMCA pickup. Exactly. Uh, like yeah. dude, he's just gonna give you buckets. Dude. I'm like, yeah, over and over and over again. Yeah. He's just gonna walk you down to the post and give you buckets. Yeah. Uh I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of a who's yeah. Dara. <laughs> oh yeah. Dara yeah. Dara played in like a powder puff football league for sure. I I think yeah, I, I wouldn't surprise me at all if she was like a star on her high school basketball team for some yeah. reason. <laughs> yeah. Lillian Morris. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh Lillian. Uh Matt. Matt from Amazon. I bet he's pretty good. Slashing wing. I have a hard time. Matt's a hardcore three and D guy. Yeah. Like, honestly, being all that, like I know he's athletic, but like <laughs> he seems so stiff. You know, like <laughs> that's fair. My, my idea of Matt is basically a statue. So I have a hard time. Mm-hmm. You think that uh, Taylor from Millennials versus Gen X would be good at basketball? Mm. He's good at canning, so is he good at <laughs> hooping? <laughs> He's good at canning some threes, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that was a fun thought experiment. Um, yes. Well, I bet. No. Okay. Sandra. Sandra would like foul out of the game pretty quickly, but like. I could like Sandra would just be like this ruthless <laughs> person up and down. Yeah. 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 Sandra's the person you put in when you need a foul, they're like best player to get up to bonus. Yeah. Just to burn some. Sandra and Adam Klein would be an all star defensive backcourt. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Nobody would score. <laughs> Nobody would score. Um, there's lots of drunk fun between Carl and Davey on this reward. Um, there's a moment where they go, the beers on the boat go around, <laughs> which is really good. Um, Davey trips out of the boat, carrying the, the cooler of beers. Um, there's a moment where he's like, Davey's like, I dunked like Shaq. And Carl's like, I had that George Gervin finger roll. Wrapped <laughs> yeah. me up, dude. Um, Davey is definitely still tipsy in his confessional <laughs> around this time. I don't know if you clocked this, but that was pretty great. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I want to talk about how full uh, we've talked about this to some degree, but like how fully does Carl play himself in this episode? Is, is there anything to blame other than Carl's self self own, you know, between his talking to Kara and everything that goes on at camp afterwards. This is just a, a full shooting yourself in the foot, right? I I don't think I've ever seen anyone screw themselves as much as Carl has. Yeah. Like I, I'm sure there are instances of worse things happening in survivor, but like from what we have seen on this podcast, this is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> he has no one to blame but himself here. Yeah, hard to argue against that. He just, yeah, he just stopped like, strategizing. 
Yeah. He really was like, okay, we're in control, so I'm good. Yeah, it's like they spent like the last about four or five episodes like grinding just to get the numbers, and now that they have the numbers. Yeah, they gave it back. He like, he's like, okay, the game's done. Yeah. And he also, I don't know, I think in the same way that the, like, the Goliaths kind of underestimated the Davids, we have Carl who's like, oh, well, the Davids don't have an opinion of themselves, so mm-hmm. it's just me running the Davids, and yeah. that's it. Yeah. And it's just like, that's not at all what's happening. <laughs> Um, so ultimately here, right, the Davids, you know, fought to get numbers advantages and then Christian and and Gabby, um, by way of voting out Carl effectively give them back. It's, it's back to a, a split here. Um, yeah. Ultimately, do you think that this is the right move for a Christian and a Gabby to make the swing against their fellow David? so shortly after gaining a numbers advantage. Um, do you think they should have waited to do this, or do you think that this is indeed the right time to take out an Alliance member that you're unable to work with like this? I don't think it's the wrong time. <laughs> Could I say that? <laughs> yeah, sure. I feel like, you know, down the line, maybe, maybe it would have been more prudent to keep him. I don't know, but I. Well, the the other thing to consider here is Carl was physically targeting Allison. Well, yeah. Who Christian and Gabby both want to work with. Right. So I, I think that's the thing you have to balance with taking out Carl is, I mean, like I said last episode, you're your ability to like cruise, take down the other team's numbers until you need to use them to take out some on your own alliance is kind of the move here. But if you can't take out people on the opposite alliance that you actually want to get rid of, then why not switch? Why not make a move and try to try to do it? Yeah. I think like from Gabby's perspective too, like the ship has sailed for her and her relationship with Carl, like she's being actively left out of things. Like it's not really somebody who's in her alliance anymore. If only by like by name. Um, and yeah, I think that like, you know, the school of David, Wright Is that it's the people you can trust versus the people you can't. Right. And regardless of which quote unquote alliance you're a part of, if you can no longer trust this person, it's like, yeah, they don't factor into your plans, so I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, last thing I wanted to wrap up with here, in tradition of tribal council metaphors, we we talk about how the camp is like different types of eggs. Um, we've come back to egg discussion after several episodes. We discussed the shelf life of an egg in a jungle and now we're going to talk about um what are some other egg preparation metaphors that you can um make about survivor a scrambled egg is when everything is scrambling a poached egg is when everything is calm and there are large groups 
Um, how else can you make an egg? You can you can well, make an egg. No, over... I, I think I think the scrambled egg metaphor should be taken further because the merge really is like scrambled eggs. Where if you don't beat it enough, then the whites are still separated from the yolk. Mm. And what you need to do is just brutalize those eggs until they are one cohesive mass. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> you know, sometimes the eggs are over easy and the one group thinks that they've coalesced into something solid, but the other group is still, you know, wishy-washy about it. And you don't know until you cut into that egg and the yolk starts running yeah. that there's chaos afoot. That one was pretty good, if you ask me. That I actually, yeah. that really wasn't horrible. I think you could, you could probably add some toast to that, where it's like mm. they're they're a cohesive mass, but one group is still isn't entirely sure. And then a piece of toast comes in and pierces the the yolk, and suddenly it's yeah. I would go hard boiled egg. Mm. The egg is under pressure. And then when you open it, you have to figure out, is it actually cooked right? And how to, is it not how to open it in one piece? And will the shell crack and rip all the egg white off? Yeah. Got to be delicate with these things. Right. That's really the arc of a survivor episode. Yes. Pressure, pressure. And then what's going to (laughs) happen? And then sometimes you rip off the egg white. This is premium content. Okay. I I expect I I expect that these voiceovers are gonna appear on the next season of Survivor. Yeah. A hundred percent. We're all gonna be they're like, we heard your great egg metaphors. For the writer to rate and subscribe. (laughs) Five stars only. Survivor. Survivor eggs. There's team scrambled. There's team over easy. There's team hard boiled. The next Brant Steel tribes for sure. <laughs> the egg tribes. <laughs> um, okay, let's do the the goats and the participation trophies here for both halves of this double episode. We'll award just one of each, like usual. Though, anybody got? Um, some folks in mind to start out with here. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I mean, I think Christian's my go. He didn't do quite that much in the second half of the episode, but I mean, just what he went through to win immunity and take out Alec is a lot. And he ultimately does make the decision in the second half of the episode to flip and get rid of Carl. So he's pretty involved, even though that's mostly Gabby's thing. Um, so I feel like he just had heck of an episode, heck of a double episode. Uh, Carl gets my participation trophy because, like, come on, like, come on, yeah, how, how? Okay, great. Who else has a goat and a participation trophy to award here? Scott, what um, do you, or oh, Emily, yeah. oh, Scott, you got it. Oh, see. This is hard because it's like two episodes and like, yeah, I don't know. you know, it's if you want to award to feel free. Overarching, I was kind of thinking of giving my 
goat to Kara. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because on like two separate occasions, she like Carl just like spills the beans to her. Yeah, that's a, a good call. Yeah. And I feel like she used that to her advantage a lot this season or this season, this episode. That's a um, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and yeah, I feel like she like the last episode, we kind of she like realized she needed to get off Dan. And this episode, I feel like she took some moves to like kind of get her game how she wanted to play it. So I was going to go care up i guess for this um i get it yeah carl's a it's hard not to give the the particip- like participation yeah. to carl yeah it's hard that's a that's an epic self-sabotage carl, carl really took the l this episode yeah big l he gave it to himself he did <laughs> yeah you got emily um go is going to christian yeah for his Lovely endurance win, and also I love Christian. Yeah, so I am biased. <laughs> and participation goes to Angelina for her mm. really incredible <laughs> negotiations. Also, she you know she made things happen. So I respect that. I really do. I'm not even kidding. I'm so glad that you but also lols. I yeah, I'm so glad you gave the points I heard for that. Yeah. I just love negotiating. <laughs> Gives up everything at first. <laughs> Sheesh. God. Uh, I'm gonna that's give like my when... oh. I was gonna say that's like when the Pacers <laughs> trade could have just signed some Malcolm Brogdon outright four years ago, but then we said, well, let's give you a first round pick for it. Yeah. Real All right, carry yeah. on. <laughs> um, I'm going to give my goat to Gabby because um, Gabby ultimately has her way this episode by getting Carl out of there. Um, is able to pick up that she's kind of on the outs with him and do something about it. So We'll give a point to Gabby. Um, yeah, I really do have a hard time giving this to anyone other than Carl. Just like what a miraculous self-own this, <laughs> this truly is. Yeah, it's got to be Carl. Um, okay, fantasy points update here. Lots has happened um, in these last this last episode. A lot of points have exchanged hands. Um, between the two, Adam, you pulled in a total of 45 points. Emily pulled in 95, and Scott pulled in 130. Um, wow. Emily, after Alec and Carl are eliminated, that's two straight off your team. Um, so Adam is down to just Kara and Davey. Emily's down to just Angelina and Allison. And Scott is holding strong with Christian, Gabby, Nick, and Mike. Um, totals at this point are in third place, Adam, with 430 points. Scott in second with 515. Can you hear Ziggy purring through the microphone? Because she's... No, no. I wish I could. <laughs> jumped up here. Um, and Emily's still leading, though by a slimmer margin, with 540 points, is Tribe Abacad. Um, 
any uh well scott let's let's turn to you here as the um the one charging and gaining ground here um most people left on the tribe still in second place but in a reachable position how are you feeling about things at this point um i'm feeling okay i have too many people on the same i don't know i have a lot of people on the same like alliance sure I don't know. But I could easily get like torn apart quickly, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Especially Christian's been a kind of a target the whole time, but I feel like he's only gonna his target is only gonna grow. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Hard to say. Emily, you've had the lead for most of this season, though it is dwindling. You still hold it. How are you feeling with Angelina and Allison coming into the beginning of the home stretch? I think this podcast is rigged. (laughs) (laughs) Fake. I will never win. (laughs) We shall see. That's what I feel. No, I really do think there's a chance, but you know, it's not looking great. (laughs) Um, Adam, you know, the winning this season seems out of reach. What are you rooting for? Yeah, At no, I, I think I think as soon as John was voted out, I my my chances of winning just kind of disappeared. Um, as soon as you go, you go down to two people left, while everybody else still has most of their tribe. I have two people left. Yeah, after three episodes, after that happened, <laughs> you picked up way more points than I did. Um, I yeah, I, I don't feel great about it. I I don't think there's a way I can. Unless, no. I mean, unless, like, all, everyone on... I guess Scott might, like, lose some points if it, their alliance explodes and he stops gaining, like, voting correctly. They don't win anything. Like, and we only vote out people on Scott's tribe. And I just kind of keep steady. There's a chance that I have, like, the winner with enough votes to, like, just squeak out something. But I'd be like, it's the tiniest fraction. (laughs) We shall see. Anybody interested in making a trade? I'm okay. (laughs) Much like the Indiana Pacers in... (laughs) (laughs) Anybody else? Yeah. Gucci. I I like Carrie and Davey, and I don't think anybody thinks enough of them to want to trade with them. So, <laughs> all right. Nor do I blame them. I'll just be like the Pacers and float Miles Turner and trade rumors for <laughs> years, years, and never do it. This is a Pacers podcast, dude. This Basically, is- <laughs> you're crossover content you've all been waiting for this is truly the niche nichest <laughs> of niches ah <laughs> oh, niche <laughs> <laughs> that would suck ah oh, niche <laughs> Shit. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. Oh, for- 
<laughs> so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Outwatch. Make God. sure that you're subscribed or following the show so you don't miss anything. And next time on Outwatch, we will continue our Survivor David versus Goliath rewatch. We're getting closer and closer to the end as we move on to the 11th episode of the season, which has a name that I will tell you it's called So Smart They're Dumb. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.